Hello and welcome to the Money Talk podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show is this the week when economies take a turn towards recession. Both the Bank of England and the Federal Reserve are set to raise interest rates to fight off inflation, but that could also mean a slowdown in economic growth. What could that mean for households and investors? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. There's lots of economic jargon that goes over the head of most normal people, but when the talk turns to recession, it tends to hit home. And recession is what some economists are beginning to talk about on both sides of the Atlantic. This week, the central banks in the UK and the US must decide by how much they want to raise interest rates. Their aim is to put a break on rampant inflation, of course, but the flip side of that is likely to be a hit to growth. And with growth already stalling, recession, where economies cease growing and begin to shrink is becoming a possibility. To discuss the implications of that on our pockets and the markets, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, Why don't we start with the likely action by central banks this week? What's the equation facing the Fed and the Bank of England? Yeah. um, Hi, Ed. So, both the Federal Reserve in the, in the US and the Bank of England uh, over here are making decisions on interest rates uh, this week, as you say. Um, and what they're having to weigh up is uh, the, the, the balance between um, rising inflation and slowing growth. So central banks have, a, have an obligation um, to, uh, to keep a lid on, on inflation, but at the same time, they also have a, 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 a an obligation to uh, to to ensure that um, the, there is financial stability and uh, and the economy uh, continues to grow. And that is that is the the two way pull on central banks at the moment because in, on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, inflation is running at uh, extremely high levels. What we're not sure about is how temporary those extremely high levels uh, will be. But currently. Uh, the latest reading for inflation in the US was eight and a half percent. Here in the UK, it was seven percent, and the expectation is that it will go up to maybe nine percent, even as high as double-digit uh, inflation uh, in the autumn when we start to get some more uh, rises in the cost of um, uh, gas for for heating houses. So uh, that's the challenge. Uh, the central banks have to bring inflation down, but they have to try and do it without. Um, breaking the economy, to put it to put it bluntly, they have to keep growth going while at the same time bringing inflation down, and it's a very narrow path that they have to tread. Yeah, and let's explain some of this a bit more, Tom. I'm determined that we put all of this in in terms that everyone can understand. We're talking about interest rates and central banks, and it can get a bit technical. But the the logic here, Tom, is that raising interest rates, which is what central banks can do, that's going to make borrowing more expensive in all sorts of ways within the economy. And that means, by extension, that people are going to be less willing to spend because it will sort of cost them more to do that. And that's going to reduce demand for goods and services because simply there's less money to be spent on those things. And theoretically, that, that reduction in demand should bring prices lower over time and that's that's how they're going to tackle inflation but tom many of the prices that are going to be hurting ha- households the most right now they're not going to come down are they no matter how much borrowing costs rise because of interest rates 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, the principal tool that uh, central banks have at their disposal to reduce inflation is, as you say, to to raise the cost of borrowing by by increasing uh, interest rates. However, the underlying cause of the inflation that we're experiencing at the moment is principally uh, about uh, the rising cost of uh, many of the essentials of life, um, gas to heat our homes, fuel to put uh, in our uh, cars and the food that we buy in supermarkets. All of those are, are going up in price and that is driving um, inflation. <coughs> now, uh, if the if the central banks raise interest rates, that is not really going to have any impact on, for example, the the price of oil or the or, or the price of uh, gas. And the reason for that is that the the, the reason why the, the those prices are high is because there is a mismatch between uh, supply and demand. But principally, there's a problem with supply. It's not just that that people are are wanting to buy more gas or more oil. That's not the issue. The issue is actually um, uh, getting the supply uh, uh, to to the pumps and and to, to the houses. And the reason why that's a problem, of course, is largely to do with with the war in Ukraine. So the central banks know that just raising interest rates is not going to solve that problem, but it is going to. Um, cause a slowdown in growth. So that's when you get this issue of stagflation, where you have a combination, an unhealthy combination of high price rises uh, and and low growth. And that's not good for anyone. No, indeed. And so given that's the case, Tom, what you say there about, about the supply side of this, um, yeah, you've got issues like the, the war in Ukraine, of course, also supply chain issues as a result of uh, reopening up after the pandemic and right now of course a, a, a sort of um, an issue that's growing in importance it seems is, is this lockdown in China which is having all sorts of implications on supply chains. Central banks will know that and they will know that they have limited um, a scope to, to affect those things but they're going to press ahead we all think with with interest rate rises anyway. Does that suggest really that they do see, notwithstanding those supply issues that you've, you've talked about, they do see inflationary pressure, which is unrelated to that, which is in fact, uh, you, you know, related to, to the ability of, of consumers in the economy to spend. And they want to get that part of it under control as well, because if they don't, they're going to see that feeding through to higher wages. And then this, this inflationary spiral, as it's sometimes called, where you will have uh, inflation much higher, irrespective of what supply chains are doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you raise the important point there, which is which is wages. It, it's not it's not so much that the that the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England see inflationary pressures elsewhere, and they think that okay, by raising interest rates, we can tame those pricing pressures. The great fear that they have is that the the, the price rises, the inflation that are a consequence of the supply issues that we've talked about, start to feed through into wage claims uh, for the very good reason that people say, well, you know, the cost of living is going up so much. If you want me to carry on working here, you're going to have to pay me more. Uh, it's totally, totally understandable that people should want to do that. But the danger is that, 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 that then inflation becomes entrenched because 
uh, it becomes an upward spiral then because people are demanding more money. Businesses are having to pay uh, higher wages. In order to pay the higher wages, they have to charge more for their products, uh, which then feeds into demands for higher wages, etc., etc. So I think that's that's what that's the situation that the central banks really want to avoid. They want to nip this in the bud. Uh, before um, wage, this wage price spiral becomes becomes an endemic problem, if you like. Yeah, and actually, I think that's a kind of. I mean, you you can he- read commentary about this, but it's a sort of under-remarked on element of this equation right now, which is that which is the labour market, because all this ha- all this is happening. Um, in terms of, of supply of commodities, that's all happening at a time when le- with the labour market in places like the US and the UK are really, really tight. And what that means is that uh, employees have a lot of power to demand those higher wages. For whatever reason, during the pandemic, we had a lot of people uh, leaving the jobs market, didn't we? we you know, for, it, It's not really been properly explained why that is, but it's certainly true that lots of people retired, older people took sort of early retirement for whatever reason. In the UK, you have factors like Brexit. You don't have this supply of um, labour in the way that we did before. That's coinciding. That's making employees and workers quite strong in those uh, wage negotiations. And that's that has the potential to really compound all these issues and make inflation particularly uh, sort of virulent, doesn't it? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Because, I mean, you know, even if prices were rising, if there were lots of workers and uh, employers were not finding a problem in finding workers to fill their vacant positions, then uh, it wouldn't be a problem from an inflationary perspective because people would just have to, uh, you know, just swallow it. They just have to accept that the cost of living was going up and they were earning less and they were going to become poorer in in, in real terms. But you're right that the jobs market is very tight uh, at the moment for a variety of reasons. We've had this uh, this uh, effect, which has been dubbed the Great Resignation, you know, people people choosing uh, to during the pandemic to say, well, actually, you know, I think I'm going to change my work life balance. I'm going to work less, or I'm going to uh, not not work at all. Some of those people might be actually uh, rethinking that uh, th- that decision now. The cost of living is going up, but that certainly that that effect did take place. And Brexit is another uh, factor. The fact of the matter is that we have fewer. Um, uh, workers, especially at the sort of bottom end of the of, of the of the market, um, uh, there are there are there are fewer workers to take those jobs, and so employers are having to pay more to get the people that are available. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's the the labour market is perhaps you're right. It is a, it is under commented on because we've all been talking about supply chain issues, uh, etc. But the labour market is a really important factor here. Yes, yes, indeed. So, so that's why central banks may well be uh, raising rates this week um, as part of a, a, you know, a series of rate rises. What chance, Tom, that this leads to an actual recession? Um, it will take demand out of the economy, won't it? I mean, that that has to mean some kind of slowdown. It's sort of the point of an interest rate rise. Mm. But what's the wider economic context here? What would it take to tip things over into recession? Well, no one really knows, and that's and that is the problem. Um, uh, you know what the, this what the central banks are doing is they are walking a tightrope. They're trying to do it just enough to bring inflation down uh, without without breaking the economy. They're 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 trying to achieve what's called a soft landing. 
Um, and uh, history suggests that achieving a soft landing is extremely difficult. Once uh, central banks do start to tighten, uh, they tend to they tend to tighten a, 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 a bit further than than would strictly be necessary to ensure that they bring inflation down, and it does tend to cause a recession. So I would say that you know the 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 base case, the expectation is that in some parts of the world, maybe not everywhere, um, we will move into a recession. So what is a recession? Well, technically speaking, a recession is two quarters. Uh, of um, a, a contracting economy. Now, in the US, we, we heard this week, uh, in the January to March uh, quarter, the economy did contract at an annualised rate of 1.4%. In the UK, um, uh, the latest figures we have were for February, when uh, the, the growth in the size of the economy was just 0.1%. In January, it had been 0.8%. So that's that's edging ever closer to, to a contraction. People in Europe are talking uh, about uh, the likelihood of of uh, a recession um, uh, and Europe as of course is, is much closer to the action there's a high dependence on um, uh, oil and gas uh, from, from Russia um, so uh, you know the, the growth prospects in Europe are, are not good at all so I do think that there is a possibility that in, in any or some of those three places we may well get a recession uh, within the next uh, 18 months or two years. And what exactly would that mean, Tom? Because as I sort of said at the top of this this uh, podcast, you know, it's a scary word, recession. It's one of those terms that even people not really up to speed with economic matters, they do tend to recognise that. What are the implications of it on prices, perhaps, but also on jobs and other areas of our finances? Yes, well, it's it's uh, it's good that you mentioned jobs there because that that is actually one of the key determinants of of whether a recession is a problem for you. I mean, if you if you keep your job uh, and you continue to to earn money, then in some ways uh, a recession can be helpful because you know in theory uh, a recession uh, will uh, reduce demand and lower the cost of uh, various items you know the oil price would probably come down which would mean that it would be cheaper to put fuel in your in in your car the gas price might come down which means that your heating bills would not rise as fast as they would otherwise do but the the problem with recessions is that uh, the, the the contraction in demand means that many companies decide that they simply cannot afford to employ as many people. So unemployment tends to rise uh, in recessions. So if you're one of the unfortunate people that loses your job in a recession, then it plainly has a, a very uh, big and significant impact on your uh, on your on your personal finances. So it it will vary from 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 person to person. And, and I guess, Tom, it's worth saying that like so much uh, when it comes to the economy, it's a, it's a lot to do with momentum, isn't it? And sentiment. And if and if people think that that they're in the midst of a recession, they perhaps feel less secure in their jobs. They're going to be less willing to spend and activity, economic activity is going to fall for that reason. And so it has just the potential to, to, to get worse and worse and worse. And so whilst, you know, we've just been saying that the jobs market is really strong and really tight and employees have a lot of power at the moment that can quickly change, can't it? 
Yes, I mean, you're absolutely right that that, that there is the potential for this to become self-fulfilling. If people are concerned, uh, they're worried that there is the possibility that they might lose their jobs, then they're less likely to spend on what's called discretionary items, which are things which are nice to have, but you don't really need. So a holiday, for example, or replacing your car or getting a, a, a new phone, you know, all of those things can be put off. You can you can run your existing car for another year. You can do the same with 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 your phone. Um, and at the individual level, that doesn't really make much difference. But if you uh, extrapolate that across the whole economy, if everyone is delaying those purchases, then that can have a, a significant dampening effect on the overall level of the economy. And that in that in turn can can lead you down the path towards uh, recession itself. Okay. Okay. Well, turning now, Tom, to the likely uh, stock market reaction of 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 this week and the potential rises in interest rates that we're going to see. By the way, Tom, we are going to see these interest rate rises, aren't we? I mean, we've, we're saying it as if it's a fait accompli. That's certainly what the market thinks. But uh, th- that yeah, is I what mean, we expect, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, famous last words, because we are we are recording (laughs) this uh, a few hours before the announcement from the US and a day before the announcement uh, in the UK. But put it this way, if uh, if we don't get an interest rate rise on both sides of the uh, of the Atlantic in the next 24 hours, then I think people will be extremely surprised. Yes, indeed. And, and and it's worth saying that actually what the market thinks is going to happen is that it will be a half percent, half percentage point rise in rates in the US and a lower probably 0.25 percent rise in the UK. Yeah. And um, just, yeah. Just sorry. Just worth just worth dwelling on that just for very, very briefly. Um, if if the Federal Reserve does raise interest rates by 0.5 of a percent, uh, today, it will be the first time in many years that it's it's done that. It normally raises interest rates and cuts them incrementally in sort of quarter uh, percentage point um, increments, and uh, and that's telling us something interesting. What it's telling us is that the Federal Reserve is keen to really get on top of this inflation problem. I think that they feel that maybe they have left it a bit too late. Uh, They want to get interest rates up from today's levels, which are very close to zero, to a more normal level for interest rates, which the the, the, the neutral rate at which interest rates are deemed not to be either stimulating or contracting the economy is thought at the moment to be about two and a half percent. They want to get up there quickly. They want to get to two and a half percent by the end of the year. And just mathematically, there aren't that many uh, meetings uh, which they determine interest rates. If they're going to do that, they need to get on with it and they need to deliver bigger interest rate hikes than they would otherwise have done. So I think what we'll see is half a percentage point today. And then I think at the next two meetings, uh, we'll also see half percentage point rises and and that will take us up to to nearly 2%. So they will have broken the back of the, uh, the journey by then. And, and does it have to mean, Tom, more pain for stock market investors? Because because as well as the, the war in Ukraine, you know, the, the stock market was suffering anyway because of tightening monetary policy. And in particular, the leadership of the US stock market was, was hurting. Is that just going to continue then for this year? Has it been priced in? What do you think? 
Well, that's the key question because um, uh, markets move on surprises, and and you know, none of this is a surprise. You know, we have been talking about interest rate rises for for several months now, so investors know it's coming. The reality is that that uh, markets still tend to move uh, on the reality when it is actually uh, delivered. So I don't think it's good news for uh, for investors. However, quite a lot of it has been priced into the market. So if you look at the bond market, yields on bonds have already risen to uh, about 3%. Uh, that means that they are already pricing in the expected rise in, in interest rates, even before it's happened. So that's, that's, that's good news that it's already happened. And in the stock market, you mentioned some of those um, technology stocks, uh, which have, have suffered very uh, harshly um, uh, in anticipation of rising interest rates. Some of the most high-profile names in the market have really had a dreadful year. So Amazon, for example, down 25%. Um, Meta, which is the company that owns Facebook, down 40%. And many of the and many of the funds which invest in these kinds of growth technology stocks have done really badly. So one that will be familiar to many investors uh, here in the UK is the Scottish Mortgage uh, Investment Trust, which uh, did extremely well when those shares were were, were rising uh, quickly. Uh, year to date, it's lost um, about 33%, I think, from memory uh, of its value. So it's had a very, very bad um, four months. Yeah, and 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 that's the sort of that that has implications in particular for the U.S. market, which is a really really important stock market, the most important, in fact. And anyone that's well diversified in their investments is going to have a big exposure to the U.S. market. But we are talking here in the U.K., Tom, and lots of U.K. investors are going to be overweight the U.K. There's a slightly different equation facing the U.K. stock market, isn't there? Because it doesn't necessarily have a leadership of. Uh, high quality growth companies in the same way that say Amazon and Apple and all the rest of it are um, it's a different sort of landscape here in the UK and I just wanted to, to return to this point about the divergence of central bank policy the fact that the US may be raising rates more quickly than the UK that has implications for the pound and the dollar the pound has been getting weaker against the dollar for some time that might add to the appeal of the UK stock market, right? Because uh, to foreign buyers, those companies in the UK, miners, um, oil companies, things like that, that actually have been having their day in the sun this year, that could uh, increase their appeal. Yes, I mean, yeah, we've talked about the bond market and the and the uh, and the stock market and commodity markets uh, today, but we haven't talked about currencies. But actually, uh, you know, currencies are are where. Um, the impact of these divergent uh, interest rate trajectories is is really being really being felt. The the, the dollar is standing at a twenty year high against a basket of of, of other currencies. The uh, the pound, for example, is 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 extremely weak against the dollar. It's standing at about a dollar twenty five. Uh, the yen is at a multi-year low, the Japanese yen, the euro is at a multi-year low uh, against the dollar. And that is a reflection of the fact that uh, the the yield or the expected yield on um, dollar denominated assets, so US uh, assets, is higher than in, in the rest of the world because uh, investors perceive that the Americans are more worried about inflation 
uh, than we are in the rest of the world, where frankly, we're more worried about about growth. So we are likely to see a continuation of this divergence in in interest rates. That's likely to keep the, the dollar strong. And you're right. A cheap pound does make the, the UK market appear uh, good value to, to overseas buyers. And in particular, the UK will probably seem like good value to overseas buyers because we do have a weighting towards the kind of sectors which are doing well in this inflationary environment. So commodities, uh, for example, oil and gas uh, in, in particular. So actually, I agree with your basic premise. I think this is not a bad time to be invested uh, in in the UK market. And indeed, year to date, the UK market has been one of the best um, performing uh, stock markets of all. OK, OK. Well, uh, the next few months, I think, are going to be pretty interesting, Tom, from an economic and a markets point of view. We've covered absolutely loads today, so we'll leave it there for now. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ed. You've been listening to the Money Talk podcast. Check fidelity.co.uk for daily written updates and articles on these and other topics from across Fidelity in the UK. And subscribe via iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every week. Please be aware that the value of investments and the income you get from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information doesn't constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Eligibility to invest in an ISA or a pension and the value of tax savings depends on personal circumstances and all tax rules may change. You will not normally be able to access money held in a pension until the age of 55. Reference to specific securities or funds should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities or funds and is included for the purpose of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor.